Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. So the parole board of this country has a not too glorious history of releasing dangerous convicted criminals, including murderers, including, oh yeah, George Lovey. George Lovey, who murdered the parents of Don Edwards. And we've talked to Don on a number of occasions, and I've known the, the Edwards family for, for many years, almost from the, the day that their, the parents were murdered. And Don Edwards joins us because he and uh, his wife, Tennis, and other family members, I believe, were supposed to be at uh, an in-person parole board hearing into Lovey receiving more freedoms. Remember now, two convictions of first-degree murder. He's already got an apartment. He has an apartment. Spends five days a week there. He just wants to have complete run of the of the world. And he's still considered to be a moderate risk to reoffend. That's kind of like saying medium security prison. There are convicted first degree murderers in medium security prisons. Don Edwards joins us. He's back with us on the program. Don, thank you for, for coming back on. And I, um, I was reading the statement from Tannis, your wife. Um, to the parole board, and it's so disturbing in the the deaths of your parents, Arnold and Donna. And the second sentence is, not not a single day goes by that I do not fear for my life and my family's life because of lovey. I'm I'm asking, I'm adding those last words. But that's your reality, isn't it, Don? Absolutely, Roy. Thank you for having us. It's back again. It's uh, as you know, it's always a trying time as we prepare for another parole hearing on December eighth. And uh, as uh, Tannis had mentioned in possibly her parole in her victim impact statement, uh, initially it was supposed to be in the presence of the Edwards family, but uh, it was decided that now it's going to be virtually. Um, so our suspicions are as the parole board of Canada is. Uh, uh, sort of taking the heartless way out of uh, sort of avoiding us and uh, to avoid us from being in the room with Lovey. Um, and uh, so we were shocked by that. We we're disappointed, grossly disappointed. But, um, you know, we're moving on. We've written our victim impact statements. They've been submitted to the full board of Canada. And, uh, you know, our hands are tied at this point. And you were informed... Uh by way of uh, electronic uh, communication, right? That is correct. 
So, too bad. But uh, there will be no in-person meeting, uh, parole board hearing. We're just going to do this virtually. And that's your opportunity to engage. And I, I, reading from Tanis' uh, victim's impact statement, I would have this concern as well. You ask yourself, have they made up their minds? Have they already decided what they're going to do before holding the hearing? And so the most simple way for them unpalatable for the rest of us, dangerous for the rest of us, but simple for them is to just not hold the hearing in person and then just issue their their decision. What are you going to do about it? You'll be thousands of miles away. Well, we can't do anything about it. The the, the, the sad thing about this, Roy, is that uh, at the last poll hearing, um, you know, the, his uh, caseworker, risk assessment uh, official, uh, has deemed him to be a moderate to low risk. Uh, offender, but as we all know, is it murderers uh, in many times across Canada reoffend, and uh, you know we're in a situation that, uh, as you mentioned, our hands are are really tied on this whole thing. Um, we uh, pour our hearts out in these victim impact statements. Uh, they're extremely difficult to write. They're paralyzing. Um, they take days and days because our minds are so consumed of trying to clearly and accurately. Um, voice our thoughts are are where our heart is. We know we are a, a threat. If we look back on the case going back to 1991, in Carrie Lovey's testimony, he threatened to uh, to kidnap and kill, you know, harm our children, and uh, you know, our uh, my nieces and nephews. And uh, it's it, it's really uh, heartbreaking to see the position of the Pro Board of Canada, of how they have done this. We know that Lovey has been sentenced to two counts of first-degree murder and one count of attempted first-degree murder. Um, and uh, he, before that, he also, as you know, uh, sexually assaulted and held my sister um, in confinement with a deadly weapon. So um, do we have concerns? Absolutely. Um, the other thing that's really so disturbing about this in the last, uh, in his last, uh, requests for day visits to various areas. Uh, Brantford is one, Grimsby is another. Uh, Grimsby is approximately 12 miles from where my parents used to reside. Uh, Brantford is approximately eight miles from the town of Caledonia, where my wife is originally from, and many, many Edwards families still reside. Uh, he asked to uh, go to Hamilton, pass through Hamilton. And as you know, Roy, that's where a couple siblings live. So, um, in other words, if they release him, he can be living next door to my siblings. Um, so, is, is it a concern? You bet. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we're uh, doing our best efforts to try and uh, bring awareness to the pro board that uh, hopefully we have some people that have some common sense and uh, do not take a, a heartless uh, uh, situation and try and, uh, you know, dwell on it to give the offender all the rights in the world uh, a free pass. They don't listen, do they? they? They just don't listen. I've heard this from families and individuals who've spoken before the parole board in the past, trying to make sure that society, and they are protected from individuals who've committed capital crimes, murder, or other very serious criminal offenses against them. And what happens is, and I know that there are people across this country who will be shocked, and we've said this many times on the program, but they'll still be shocked, that the offender, in this case, George Lovey, has the right, and this is in your wife Tannis' uh, 
victim's impact statement, has the right to read the victim's impact statement two weeks prior to the hearing. The, the, the convicted murderer gets to read the victim's, your victim's impact statement two weeks prior to the hearing. Boy, I don't imagine that that could potentially cause any difficulty. Do you, do you Don? That's got to be, that's no problem there, right? Well, we, we you know, it's awful. It's, it's, it, it, it's sad in a lot of ways that he gets to read our victim impact statements two weeks in advance, but we get nothing in the way of information on the offender. We receive nothing. Um, and when I say nothing, um, we don't get to read his statement. Um, he has shown, as we know, no compassion, no consideration for us. Um, and, uh, you know, it, it's really odd in many ways. We know that there are many holes and flaws in uh, correction services of Canada. Um, and during his last uh, um, release uh, to uh, do a day visit or a couple days of visit, um, Lovey volunteered to wear an ankle bracelet and the Corrections Canada or his caseworker uh, did not act upon that. And so they have no idea where he went, what he did, where he was, um, where he stopped. They have no idea what he did uh, because they don't follow him. They're not tracking him. Uh, there is no tracking method. He's simply out uh, and uh, he may say that he's visiting a particular area. But uh, there's no um, there's no uh, um, anywhere to track exactly where he was, what he did. Um, we know nothing. That's no, madness. Nothing. That's just madness. I, I'm still I still I still get shaken by the fact, and I understand you completely, Don, in your book that you're 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 writing after the game, victim of violence. It speaks volumes that you have said on the air that you don't have the same pride in this country you had, and you don't have the pride you had when you wore the Team Canada sweater and played for Canada because of what has happened over the last 32 years since your parents were murdered by George Lovey, who by the parole board seems to be more like his agents than the safeguard, safeguarders, if you will, of, of the community and your family, who he has threatened, they don't seem to be interested in, uh, they don't seem to have an interest on. Well, here's what, in my last uh, paragraph of my statement, Roy, of this upcoming parole hearing, one of the things I say that if uh, George Lovey does receive full uh, parole and does do harm to the Edwards family or the general public, then the um, Canada's federal government, the uh, Justice System of Canada, the uh, Parole Board of Canada, and its associates who were assigned the case, and the Corrections Canada Services and their assigned associates will be f held fully accountable. Um, you know, it's sometimes, uh, you know, we look at this as sort of a situation these people uh, may hide. You know, yes, I understand they have tough decisions to make, but at the same time, they also have to have compassion for the victims. And uh, as you mentioned, uh, we, we often see, as the Mahaffey and French family have seen with Paul Bernardo, uh, there is no compassion. In fact, there's very little compassion for them. Uh, we went through we went through a number of parole hearings. As recently as the last one, uh, when we heard that uh, Lovey, threatened to kill his case, you know, stab his, uh, his caseworker. 
and he said it was a slip of the tongue. Well, as I mentioned in my statement, was there was also a gaffe that he stabbed my father five times and he shot my mother twice. Was it also a gaffe? So, um, you know, we're, we're, in, we're in a situation that uh, they don't realize what the family goes through. The, the pain, the suffering, the stress we've all endured, mind shattering is, is just mind shattering. The grief counseling, the ongoing and continuous uh, physician visits, having to depend daily on prescribed stress and anxiety medication, therapy meetings with psychiatrists and private security measures that we have all been forced to undertake are endless. Add to that, uh, many of the family members, as you know, now struggle with post-traumatic stress disorder, which is a direct result of Lovey's actions. There's another family that now uh, has Parkinson's disease that, you know, is life-threatening and deadly. And uh, that is all uh, directly related to uh, stress. So to think that Lovey hasn't impacted our family and changed our, our family's life forever uh, would be an understatement. Yeah. Um, I'm just reading the uh, victim's impact statement of Tannis. I don't have yours in front of me, but I, I do have hers. I know we share the same concerns. Let me just read a couple of questions that you want answers to. So Lovey gets full parole, if that's what the parole board decides, and you guys are pushed aside. Questions asked, does Levy have a well-paying job? It takes most citizens to work two jobs in order to survive this country's expensive and excessive cost of living. Who pays for his rent, his food, his gas, his clothes, his car, and insurance, or purchase of bus ticket? Since Lovey has not worked a day in his life, it would indicate that he didn't contribute to CPP. So, no financial assistance then. How will Lovey afford to live in society? Government assistance? Years ago, Lovey reported he had $8,000 in the bank. We can presume that money has long been spent. Uh, other questions were, how would Lovey be manageable and how would he be managed? Lives are at stake, yet we cannot review the conditions and perimeters that the offender and his caseworkers are proposing. And why are we not privy, the Edwards family, to a risk management plan that's been drawn up by the offender's caseworkers? Is it realistic and who manages the risks Lovey poses to the public? All of that is, those questions need to be answered. And Lovey gets to see all of this two weeks before the parole board hearing that was to be in person, that's no longer in person, is going to be done by video. I hate to say this, but Don, it sounds to me like the fix is in. You would certainly think so. I'd like to know, you know, Roy, and I come at it from all the different angles, we all do, but uh, I would like to know, you know, when Lovey volunteered to wear an ankle bracelet, who made the decision with Corrections Canada that he didn't have to, or it was, or was it missed? Um, why was there no enforcement or tracking monitor? Why were there no regional police departments in these localities not con uh, not contacted that Lovey was going to visit there? Um, who was responsible for tracking Lovey's daily life? Um, to believe to, or trust the Corrections Canada service um, monitors an in-depth review and thorough examination of the dangerous felons' travels would be a gross misunderestimation. To believe that there is no holes in the correction services of Canada's system, you either have to be dumb, an idiot, or recklessly stupid. Now, I don't know how better we, we say it, but if these people are sitting there and they, you know, they have any knowledge or any understanding of the justice system and to release someone like Lovey into uh, society, um, I would put them all in that last court category, dumb, an idiot, or recklessly stupid. Yeah. Uh, no argument from he. And likely, and I know, no argument from 
the vast majority, probably all of our listeners, it is it is a it is very sad. It's very disturbing. And and one thing to remember is that victims' families, including your family, Don, I know this because I served with your sister Jessie on uh, Caveat, the the board of Caveat, uh, National Crime Victims Support Group that was uh, started by Priscilla de Villiers after her daughter Nina was abducted and murdered. And the Caveat would uh, issue report cards on the government's um, performance on victims' issues and crime. And the government got too many negative uh, responses, and so what they did was they just canceled the funding. Don't like your message? No more money. Bye-bye. And that's that's just, it's just outrageous. Don, so it's December 8, right? Yes, sir. By video. Not in yes, person. Sir. Outrageous. Let's you and I talk again uh, afterward, okay? Hopefully you're able to join us that day, Roy, and be able to uh, sit in and monitor if you're available. Um, and uh, I've sent out the request to various media people that I know that have followed and been advocates of our case. And uh, they're all welcome. I spoke to the people with uh, victim services last week. And uh, so it's, it's openly available to anybody who okay. wants to attend from the media. Okay. Uh, along with our family and friends. So that's where we are. I'll be there. Thank you, Roy. I'll be there, Don. If you want to hear more, subscribe to The Roy Green Show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you find your favorites. And if you like what you hear, leave us a review and tell a friend. I'm Roy Green. Have a great weekend.